we'll be in Ecclesiastes 3 and 4. So I'm going to read two verses from chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and then the first three verses of chapter 4. So taking two sections that I think uh, go together. And Solomon, writing in verse 16, says, Moreover, I saw under the sun, in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there shall be a time there for every purpose and for every work. And now chapter 4 verse 1, then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they have no comforter. Therefore, I praise the dead who were already dead more than the living who are still alive. Yet better than both is he who has never existed, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative, infallible, life-giving word. Let us pray. Lord, would you write your word on our hearts and, Lord, enable us uh, to, to live our lives according to this word that we hear today. Speak to us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, only you can make the word effectual in our hearts and lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you may have wondered about the title of this sermon. Some of you are very familiar with uh, that title. In August, I think it was, uh, singer-songwriter Oliver Anthony from Virginia or West Virginia, somewhere in there, became an overnight sensation. His song, in 24 hours, went to number one, titled Rich Men North of Richmond. And, of course, the rich men north of Richmond are the politicians in Washington, D.C. And he has gone on to explain that he wasn't referring to only one uh, members of one particular uh, political party. He was talking about all politicians who act in certain ways, who care nothing about the working person, who care little about the poor, the homeless, who care little about uh, young men who uh, often uh, are in despair these days and uh, end up overdosing on drugs. He talked about the wages that uh, working people have, that the dollar they make is uh, due to inflation, which is implied, is worth nothing, and then it's taxed to no end after that. And so, um, you know, I, I, when I first heard that song, I, I, I thought, wow, he's got some things to say. And, uh, and so uh, the politicians, let's point the finger at them. And uh, we're kind of doing that today. This is what Solomon is doing. Solomon himself was a politician, if you will. He was king. He, was, he had the highest office in the land. Uh, and he was in a position to, to make observations about what was going on. 
uh, in, in the uh, places of power and, and so on. And he saw that in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. He saw all the oppression that was done under the sun. And so, so uh, Oliver Anthony, as well as King Solomon here in our passage, are both lamenting uh, over the fact that, that powerful people are only looking out for themselves very often. Uh, they are getting rich on the backs of the poor, uh, the powerless, and the oppressed. And so this, this song by Anthony clearly struck a nerve with people in the country. And uh, he was only pointing out things that all of us knew, but he gave a voice to, to those things, and uh, it got everyone's attention. And likewise, Solomon is pointing out, pointed out the injustice and the oppression that was so obvious in his day, and he gave a voice to it, the, and, and his voice turns out to be the voice of God. That ought to get our attention, right? What, what God says uh, about these things. And God, you see, is the defender of the poor, the needy, the oppressed, particularly uh, the poor, the needy, and the oppressed of his own people who know him by faith. And he will judge, as Solomon says, both the righteous and the wicked. Psalm 140, verse 12 says, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. God takes notice when uh, the poor, the needy, are taken advantage of. They're, they're weaker. Uh, those who are powerful can easily take advantage of them. He will indeed judge the rich men north of Richmond. And as we study these verses today, three points. And the first one is uh, we see that there is corruption in high places. Verse 16, moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. And notice that Solomon is observing things that are happening under the sun. We've seen that phrase before. And, and, and of course, he, he is doing, he is making his observations firsthand. He says, I saw these things but 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 to talk about things that are under the sun is to to look at things from a, a mere human or earthly perspective that's just the way things are Solomon is just telling you what he sees uh, he hasn't brought God into the picture yet he will he does and even in this passage but <clears throat> he turns our attention I think to uh, the the halls of law and government, uh, the court of law, uh, the seat of government. These are places where justice, what's the purpose of government? What's the purpose of, uh, of those who are, are making the laws and, and so on? It is uh, to ensure that all people are treated with justice and that evil is punished and uh, that righteousness is rewarded. Uh, that things are carried out evenly and fairly. If you go back to the Old Testament uh, in the book of Leviticus, we, we find a general principle here. In Leviticus 19.15, it says, You shall do no injustice in judgment. Okay, In the halls of judgment, uh, there should not be anything but justice. Injustice has no place. Uh, 
And then it, the verse goes on to say, you shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. So Leviticus says we're not to show partiality to the poor in, uh, in judgment. Uh, we're not to show partiality to the rich either. Uh, so we, we, we have to understand that, um, you know, on the one hand, we, we might tend to be partial to the poor in the sense of feeling sorry for their plight. Uh, and then we look at the rich and we might be tempted uh, to uh, favor them because of their influence and because of what they might do uh, to us. Uh, and I can think of a couple of instances in our own nation where some interesting dynamics going on in terms of partiality to uh, the poor and, 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 or against the poor. Partiality for the poor and also against them. First of all, I think of the rioters and looters in many large cities who are often uh, almost given free reign to, 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 uh, to steal and to pillage, uh, and and uh, all because they are perceived to be an oppressed group. It's, it's a racial thing, uh, very often. And so the laws against stealing are not enforced, even if even if the perpetrators are caught. Some of the very liberal um, uh, uh, prosecutors allow them to go free without any serious punishment. And so that's deemed to be, uh, big, you know. Th- th- the reason behind it is, is, is compassion, supposedly. This is an oppressed group, and uh, yes, they've committed a crime, but, but because of compassion, uh, we're, going, we're not going to carry out justice. We're not going to punish them. Well, that's injustice. It is injustice. And, and at the same time, uh, and, and you know, interestingly, again, you know, the movement to defund the police, and uh, you know, when that happens... Uh, it is the same racial groups and the same uh, uh, economic groups that are the most disadvantaged. And so it, it, it's an odd twist, but, but it's the poor, um, poor blacks in particular in a lot of these communities uh, that suffer the most from the increase in crime and the failure to prosecute uh, criminals uh, who are committing these crimes. It's pretty simple, and yet so many people cannot see it. So what we see is in the place of judgment, wickedness is there. Uh, it's corruption and wickedness in high places. It's nothing new. Solomon saw it. Uh, it's a sad reality in a fallen world. And, you know, in this world, in this sinful world that we live in, We'll never see uniform justice or righteousness. We'll never see perfect righteousness uh, in, in this world because people of power are sinners. And people of power do wicked things often. Uh, they make promises. They break them. And, uh, you know, you can have a very good system of law. Uh, and I think we do by and large, in our country. But the best systems are run by sinful people who many times, not always, 
but many times are only looking out for themselves. And of course, you and I ought to do what we can to make sure that God-fearing people are elected to office. Um, We ought to work for justice and for righteousness in government and in our communities, but we need to be realistic. We shouldn't be surprised when we see wickedness and people in power who keep on doing wicked things. They seek to tip the scales of justice in their own favor. But then in verse 17, Solomon mentions uh, the place of righteousness. He says, in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. And here I think he's referring to the place of worship, uh, to the temple, to religious institutions and religious leaders. Uh, In the Old Testament, we often read of corrupt priests and false priests prophets. Uh, They were there, even in the the institutions of Judaism. And in the church today, not much has changed. Uh, Sadly, religious leaders today, uh, pastors, leaders of churches, and leaders of Christian organizations are sometimes uh, leading people astray. We we see this. uh, Just two examples from this week. Uh, the Pope, who is, who I consider uh, to be uh, a false teacher, flat out, before he even said this, but this week he says, well, we're going to find a way for the Catholic Church to bless same-sex unions. Um, just another example of the fact that he is a false teacher, and no one should listen to it. But let's, let's look on the other side of the aisle, so to speak. Uh, Mega church pastor Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley has a church of 38,000 people. He's just down the road in Atlanta. And just this past week, he held a uh, pro-LGBT conference at his church with several of the speakers who are actually married homosexuals and who advocate for full inclusion of homosexuals in the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, Al Mohler, who's president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, made this comment. He says, Andy Stanley has departed from the Christian faith. And yes, he has. He has departed from the Christian faith. And uh, he's one of the most influent. He, uh, one uh, poll ranked him as the, the, the eighth most influential pastors in America. What kind of influence is he spreading? Evil, wicked influence. Someone has said, well, if we find wickedness, even in the highest court and the holiest place, where do we go for justice and holiness? Well, there's only one place to go, and that is above the the sun to the heavens. Under the sun, we find a lot of injustice, a lot of Iniquity, But above the heavens, we find a righteous judge. There is one coming to judge the world. His name is Jesus Christ. He's perfect. He is sinless. He is also the perfect high priest. So in the, in the halls of justice and in the halls of worship, Christ reigns supreme. And he does everything with perfection. Our appeal is to him. Now we move to chapter 4 in those first three verses. 
And we see, secondly, the oppression that Solomon saw by those in power. He looked around and he considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. Now, what is oppression? Oppression is, is this general sense of wrongdoing done by violence uh, to others. It, it's unjust or cruel exercise of authority or power over those who are weak or those who are helpless. And in history, uh, we find much oppression uh, that has occurred, oppression of whole entire ethnic groups. Uh, I think of uh, Armenians, not to be confused with Armenians, (laughs) but uh, ethnic Armenians. I think of, uh, of religious groups that have been oppressed. Well, Christians in particular have been persecuted and oppressed and are today uh, in places like China and, uh, and by Muslims in many countries across the globe. Well, uh, today we also find oppression occurring in the form of sex trafficking. Uh, sex trafficking, young children are kidnapped and they are sold into the sex trade with no one to care for them to protect them. And again, that reminds me of the song by another line from the song by Oliver Anthony. He said, I wish politicians would look out for miners, meaning coal miners, and not just miners on an island somewhere. He's talking about underage. And he's referring to uh, the, the issue that uh, the suspicion that many politicians have been involved with Jeffrey Epstein and his sex trafficking and and the island that he had where uh, who knows what took place. But And somehow we're not really told the the facts about these things. We have lots of things going on. Jeffrey Epstein somehow dies while uh, being held captive. And then his uh, right-hand woman uh, has been arrested, but we have no information about uh, anything. Now, the media doesn't tell us. These things are, are hidden from us, uh, and, and it only confirms our suspicions uh, that something amiss is going on. Well, and then there's the, the grave sin of oppression of the unborn today. Uh, it's been going on for many years in our nation uh, through murdering of children in the womb by abortion. Uh, do you think God does not see what is going on in our country. He does. And to make matters worse, uh, a, a pro-abortion group in Ohio decides they, they find some liberal uh, pastor, so-called pastor, uh, who, who goes on a commercial and uses some scripture, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, to, to defend uh, abortion. To justify the killing of preborn children. Well, this pastor, like his father the devil, is twisting scripture uh, to justify murder and the oppression of the very weakest and most vulnerable among us, the unborn child in the womb. So we need some men with courage today. Um, and there was such a man about 150 years ago in this country. His name was, uh, uh, he was a journalist. His name was Lewis John Jennings. And he actually became editor of the New York Times. 
And he began a campaign against abortion. This is 150 years ago. I heard that the New York Times was actually a conservative paper at one time in history. It's hard to believe uh, because they are the opposite today. But Jennings was a dedicated Christian. He wrote editorials. He, he became the editor of the, of the Times, and he wrote editorials that led to criminalizing abortion in every state of America at the time. It was a phenomenal uh, thing that occurred. According to George Grant, who wrote, he said, Jennings understood the power of the printed page and used it expertly. He knew only all too well that it would be necessary to provoke a public outrage over the issue, not simply a stiffening of legislation that might go unenforced. In other words, it's not all about making uh, making the right laws. You've got to convince people. And that's what he did through his columns. It was his leadership, the visibility, of course, of his paper that ultimately swayed uh, the legal and medical establishments to publicly denounce abortion as murder. That's, that happened 150 years ago. It can happen again by the grace of God. And, uh, you know, Solomon reflects on this in, in, in the verses two and three of chapter four. And, you know, he says some pretty uh, incredible words. He said, I praise the dead who are already dead. They can't be oppressed anymore. Uh, more than the living who are still alive, they still have to endure it. Uh, and he says, better yet, you know, it's better than the, you know, that the person who's never existed, that never had to endure the, the sad and horrible oppression uh, think of the six million Jews who were taken into concentration camps in Nazi Germany and, and exterminated in gas ovens. Think of uh, 94 million people that uh, communist nations put to death because of what they consider to be the greater good. Now, these, these things are evil. These uh, are, are things that we should weep about. Things that are still happening today, like child trafficking and abortion. And Solomon saw these, he said he saw the tears of the oppressed, but they had no comforter. On the side of the oppressors, there's power, but the oppressed have no comforter. But you know, the Lord Jesus hears the tears and the cries of those who are oppressed. He is their comforter, but he's also their avenger. And that leads to the final point this morning. Uh, the judgment, we see judgment by Almighty God. So back now to verse 17. Solomon said in his heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every purpose and for every work. You see, God is the judge of all. Rich people, poor people, the wicked and the righteous. And in this world, of course, there are many wicked rulers and evil judges who are guilty of great injustice. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised by it, as I said. Uh, men are sinners. Genesis 6-5 says the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so any 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 uh, one involved in government or making laws needs to take into account the sinful nature of man. We're not basically good. We're basically evil and very wicked in heart. 
And so a lot of people, because of the sinfulness of those in power, get a raw deal. They, they, they're treated unfairly. They are wronged. But God's administration is just. It's perfect. He judges the world with equity and with truth. Psalm 98, verse 9. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. So God's going to bring, Solomon says, every kind of work to judgment. Uh, you know, And that's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes again because he's the judge. He's the one that's been appointed as judge. And when he comes again, he's going to make all wrongs right. Acts 17.31 God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he's given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. You and I can have confidence that Jesus is going to judge the world, that God is going to judge the world through him because... God has raised him from the dead. But think of Christ for a second and, and the way he was treated. Right? Um, he was falsely accused. He was wrongly sentenced to die by crucifixion. He was innocent. Uh, and, and he received injustice at the hands of the religious and political leaders. First uh, Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered once for sins... The just for the unjust. He suffered the injustice uh, because he was innocent, but he did it for those who were unjust. That's you and me. That he might bring us to God and being put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit. So he suffered for us uh, all kinds of injustice. He took And he took all of the sin of injustice upon himself so that we could be saved, we could be accepted by God and not judged. Uh, as we consider uh, what Solomon's brought to our attention this morning, I want to look at three ways that we ought to respond. There, I'm sure, are many more that we could list. But in light of the, the coming judgment of God, what should we do? The first thing we should do, uh, engage in, is self-examination. The Bible says we must all, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's why the psalmist is going to judge both the righteous and the wicked. We have to stand before God as well. Uh, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. You see, Ecclesiastes ends in, in the last chapter of this book with that thought as well. Now, God knows, you see, what we have done in our lives. He knows how we have lived. He knows our secret sins. He knows our evil thoughts. And since he's going to bring all things into judgment, we need to examine ourselves. We need to find out and be sure that we are ready to stand before God. Right? And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? So the only way to stand before God as we examine ourselves, we are condemned. Uh, and that is to receive Jesus Christ by faith, to be in Christ, to be in the faith. 
So does Jesus Christ dwell in your hearts by faith uh, as, as Lord? And, 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 you know, because before we worry about all the evil things that the rich men north of Richmond have done and are doing, we need to deal with our own evil and sin. And the only way to deal with it is, is to come to Jesus Christ and to repent of our sins and receive him as our Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Do you really know Christ? Because in the end, he's going to either say, I, I, I know you or I never knew you. Uh, don't wait until then to find out. Make sure now. And he's going to come to judge the world. But for those who do know him by faith, there's, there's no worry. There's no fear. We can look forward to that day. Because he's taking, he has already taken our judgment upon himself. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has uh, laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we need to make sure that we have turned from our own sin, have received Jesus Christ, and trusted in his death as the payment for those sins. And so then you'll be ready uh, for that day of judgment, uh, even looking forward to it. But second, the second response uh, that we could have, should have, to to this day of judgment that's coming, and especially in light of all the oppression and injustice in the world, and that is that we must exercise patience. Patience. The Bible says, Will not the judge of all the earth do right? God is going to judge the wicked in due time. And we might wonder why God is so slow sometimes, seemingly slow, to judge the evil in this world. Well, here's the answer that Peter gave in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, if God had not been slow to judge, you would not have been saved. So be patient. God is patient with sinners. He was patient with you. And pray for the salvation of the wicked. Pray for those who don't know Christ. Someone prayed for you. But those who are not saved, those who will not repent of their sins, will face judgment. They will certainly be punished uh, with the wrath of God in the everlasting lake of fire. He will take vengeance upon them. He will surely do it. But but third and last, in light of the injustice, the oppression, as well as the day of judgment, we need to be engaged in earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable about a poor widow, and she can't get justice, and she keeps pestering this unjust judge, and finally he gives in to her because she's so persistent. And so we need persistent praying. He said, Jesus said, taught this parable, he says, uh, so to teach us that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart when we look at those in power and the abuse of power uh, that we see. Well, Jesus concluded, he says, Will not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night to him, though he bears long with them? 
In this world, God's people in particular are hated. They're persecuted. And Jesus said it would be so. Millions have already suffered and died for the faith. And thousands today are oppressed simply because they confess Jesus Christ. Well, they may have no recourse. They don't in many places in the courts of law on this planet. But they do have a judge who is seated on his throne, who hears the cries of his elect, and he will avenge them, Jesus says. He will judge the unjust judges of this world. He will oppress the oppressors with eternal torment. So pray. Uh, Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for yourselves that God would give you the courage to stand firm in your faith, uh, even if we perchance face persecution in our own lives. And remember what he said, what Jesus said in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, on the day of judgment, the wicked, uh, the goats, will be cast into the lake of fire. Uh, They will be judged and cast out. Those who are righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, those who knew the Lord, will receive their eternal reward. In the meantime, we can, we can take comfort in this. Psalm 56, King David. He says, You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. All the world may be against us. All, all the powerful people in power may be against us. But if God is for us, no one in the end can be against us. God remembers. And God will carry out his just judgment one day. Well, life under the sun can be cruel. It can be hard. A lot of injustice. But God's going to judge them. They will get what they deserve. And we will get what we don't deserve. Eternal life with the Lord. Uh, remember that, that God has shown you mercy. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And neither do those wicked who are doing their wicked things today. But for those who know the Lord, on that day, in the end, this is what Revelation says he will do. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. The rich men north of Richmond have been judged. The oppressors have been removed. All the wickedness and the false teaching in the church is no more. Under the sun, there's a lot of injustice. But under heaven, in heaven, justice, mercy, and the grace of God will be the order of the day. And those who have trusted in the Savior of poor sinners like you and like me uh, will never have to worry ever again about the wickedness in high places for there will be none. Sin 
itself will be no more. Let's pray together.